Alright, now we're going to look at the subject of being in Christ. Before we've seen in the beginning and in the tabernacle, now we are looking at in Christ. Part of this in Christ message, the first part, is in Christ, the babe who came to Bethlehem, the bread of life who came to the house of bread to be our sacrifice. The book of Ruth is a good place to go and find understanding for the subject. It's here we read about the love story of the great-grandparents of King David. A woman from a foreign land follows her mother-in-law back to live in Bethlehem. They're brought up in a family who were not followers of the true God. She decided to follow him and to take care of Naomi. It is in Bethlehem, the house of bread, where she, a widow and poor, gleaned in the fields of Boaz. And then he became her kinsman redeemer. They married. They had a son who was the grandfather of King David. Jesus, who was a descendant of King David, was born in Bethlehem, as foretold by Micah the prophet. He is the one foretold to sit on the throne of David eternally, and the one who described himself as the bread of life. On the night before his death, on the cross, we find Jesus celebrating Passover with his disciples. As he breaks bread, he declares that his body will be broken for them, just like the bread, and his blood poured out like the wine they drank. Read Luke chapter 22 and follow the narrative from Judas agreeing to betray Jesus through the supper to Peter disowning Jesus to the soldiers who mocked him and Herod who put him on trial. In the first six verses we see the plan of the enemy emerging to try to destroy our precious saviour. Yet it was all part of the father's plan. It was in the father's timing. The Passover lamb would be sacrificed for us at Passover. The one born in Bethlehem, the house of bread, was born for a reason, and that was to die to bring us life. In Luke 22, 14-16 we read, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat again until it finds fulfilment in the kingdom of God. We see in this passage who was really in control. Jesus had planned to eat this particular Passover with them in this particular place before he suffered. His life was freely given for us, not stolen from him by the enemy. For bread to be made, the wheat needs to be crushed to produce flour. The olives need to be crushed to produce oil. Jesus was preparing them for the next day when he too would be crushed for us. Bread also is a source of life, for as food it sustains the body. Jesus, by giving himself to be crushed, would become the source of spiritual life for all who would trust in him. As the narrative continues, we see that Jesus knew that Judas would betray him and that Peter would deny him. He loved them both and he freely gave his life for them both. One would go on to hang himself in despair, while the other would repent and find restoration on a beach by a campfire. None of this was a surprise to Jesus. He came to be crushed for you, that you might have the choice to turn to him for life, or like Jesus, follow your own path, or like Judas, follow your own path. Maybe you are listening to this just out of curiosity, and you are not one who loves Jesus. Even this has been part of the Father's plan, so that you might see that you are loved, that Jesus died for you, and that you can receive life from him. He is the bread of life. Like Peter and Judas, you have a choice. But do you choose life? 
with God, there are no coincidences. King David just happened to come from a place called the House of Bread. Then the Son of David would also, as a bread of life, give his life for us. Just think, even as Ruth grew up in Moab, there was a great destiny ahead of her to become part of the Messianic line, the family of people destined to be part of God's eternal plan to send his son, sent his son into the world to be our kinsman redeemer. He is a bread of life, who's the only one who can give us eternal life and feed our weary, hungry souls with his life and his spirit. The one who came to the house of bread is the bread of life. This theme continues in John chapter 6 where he feeds the 5,000. There the men and women sat down and were fed fully. The crowd chased after him to look for another miracle. But it's here that he declares himself to be the bread of life. When did this happen? Of course, coming up to Passover. The crowds thought of their stomachs as they tried to persuade Jesus to provide more bread. However, he was thinking of their eternal souls, souls, as he declared himself to be, once again, the bread from heaven. What type of life did Jesus offer them? It was eternal life, not temporary. Spirituality. What did he tell them the work of God was? It was to believe in the one he sent. This is the true gospel of grace. The one who was crushed for us as the bread of life offers life just freely if we will just believe in him and we will receive life that will last forever in the works involved. The bread speaks of a sacrifice for us to bring us into a relationship with the Father. The bread speaks of a spiritual provision as he is the only one who can fill the hunger that nags deep in the hearts of men and women. I just have one question for you, dear reader. Have you accepted that free gift? Then like Peter, know that even when you fail, you're loved and God has good plans for your life. In Christ, part two. I hope you're keeping well and hope you're blessed by listening to these podcasts. I really love to speak about Jesus. He's my hope and he's the centre of my being. So part two, in Christ, he is our blessing. Barak is the Hebrew verb to bless. Bet, resh, calf. Bet is the dwelling place. Resh is the knowledge. It's, it's the head. Calf, it's the cupped hand receiving provision from God. When we are in Christ, we are blessed. In our minds, when we acknowledge the truth of the gospel and decide to focus our thoughts on Jesus, we are blessed with that inner peace of knowing that we are loved by God. We who belong to him are actually described as having the mind of Christ. That means through the Holy Spirit within our very beings, we have his wisdom deposited. To be connected to the creator of the universe is the greatest blessing we could ever perceive. Yet do we understand or appreciate this? We bless his name because he has blessed our souls with his love. Blessing is both received as in the vessel filled and given as in the open hand raised in praise. Psalm 5 But all, let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them that all who love your name may be filled with joy. For you bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them with your shield of love. David was under attack from his many enemies as one who depended on God to protect and provide. He sought his help but even in his own time of trouble, he prayed for others. 
that they who trusted in God would also know his blessing. When you're finding life tough or someone whom you're trying to help, remember that God promises to bless those who trust in him. The big, big, big problem these days, it's in O'Green, how that blessing is manifest. Some are so negative that they have given up hope of any help from heaven at all. Others are so obsessed by healing that they can only see God's blessing in a changed circumstance and overlook the peace, the wisdom and the strength that our Father provides for those who are sick and troubled. How do you perceive the blessing of God in your life? How many little things have you to be thankful for? How much of your thoughts are focused on being grateful for what our loving Father has already blessed you with? David, he blessed God. When did he bless him? In good times and in bad. He blessed him when he was still in his personal valley and when he was still pursued by his enemies. Are we willing to do the same? Or do we hold back our blessing of the goodness of God? And do we hold back our praise of his name until we get what we want? In Psalm 10 verse 3 we read, For they brag about their evil desires, and they praise the greedy and the curse of the Lord. Where do we direct our blessings and our praise? How much of our conversation is spent on going on about our hobbies and our favourite sport team? We seem to be fined and be able to speak a lot about those things that we love. So where is our saviour on that list? I'm not saying that we talk about only God all the time, but maybe just maybe we should consider not letting other things overshadow or overtake his place of supremacy in our conversation and in our lives. Praise the Lord on my soul and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Worst of all is to use our minds and our lips to speak dishonestly and to give place to attitudes and behaviours that are totally ungodly. Be careful whose lifestyle you're promoting and giving the blessing of your approval to. Be careful about saying what you like, when you like, and then saying it's only a joke, don't really like that at all, when you're embarrassed because other people don't approve. Be careful about giving your praise to those people and to those institutions that are opposed to God. Be careful, dear friend, about your words, for they are not to be dismissed. They do affect the people around you. Isaiah 63, sorry, Isaiah 66, 3. But those who choose their own ways, delighting in their detestable sins, will not have their offerings accepted. When such people sacrifice a bull, it is no more acceptable than a human sacrifice. When they sacrifice a lamb, it's as though they had sacrificed a dog. When they bring an offering of grain, they might as well offer the blood of pigs. When they burn frankincense, it's as if they had blessed an idol. This may be tough to read, but look at how detestable praise of the hypocrite is in the ears of our God and their offerings in his eyes. He sees the heart when others only see their actions or hear the words. He also knows our hearts when we pretend to be super spiritual and all full of worship when we are broken, angry or rebellious. In Psalm 16, 7 we read, I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night my heart instructs me. Ever wake up in the middle of the night and find you now have the answer to a puzzle that has distracted you for days? Ever say thank you to God for giving you the answer? Do not dismiss the still small voice of God that sounds like your own mind speaking to you. It may be your heart that instructs you, but it is him instructing your heart. Bless his name and give him the praise he deserves. Praise the Lord. 
The Lord lives. Praised be to my rock. May the God of my salvation be exalted. That's Psalm 18 verse 46. I know that my Redeemer lives. Even when I feel I'm at my worst, I choose to praise him when others tell me that he's only the figment of my imagination. I choose to praise him when others tell me he is unjust. He is my rock, for it is his strength I depend on to get me through the day. He's my salvation, for it is his love that has given my heart peace and my soul hope. Psalm 26, 12. Now I stand on solid ground and I will publicly praise the Lord. Psalm 28, 9. Save your people, bless Israel, your special possession. Lead them like a shepherd and carry them in your arms forever. Psalm 29, 11. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. Psalm 31, 21. Praise the Lord for he has shown me the wonders of his unfailing love. He kept me safe when my city was under attack. Take a few minutes at this point to write a list of ways you've personally known the blessing of God in your life. In Christ, you are blessed. In Christ, your prayers have been answered. When and how have you known his strength and wisdom? That was because you're in Christ. When has his peace helped you through a really tough time? That is because you are in Christ. Remember the blessings of the Lord and give him praise. For in Christ, you are blessed.